My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Welcome to the now-playing Stephen King Trucks Retrospective Series. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories, and I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Hosted by Stuart, Jacob, and Arnie. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new movie review based on the works of Stephen King. I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Listener discretion is advised. I'm going to scare the hell out of you, and that's a promise. Today we're discussing Trucks, starring Timothy Busfield, Brenda Backey, Aiden Devine, and directed by Chris Thompson. I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and can someone remind me what I'm doing here? Stewart in L.A., or was that a legitimate question? <laughs> we're going to try and get through a show, Arnie, I don't know how. I saw this movie, I don't know how we're going to talk about it. And hey, this is Jacob, let me give you guys some fashion advice real quick before we get in this podcast. I think turquoise and silver should be worn separately, or banned. Well, let me go change then before we talk about this movie, because you just described my entire wardrobe. Now, all right, I can't wear my Lawnmower Man shirt, I can't wear my Happy Toy shirt, and I can't wear my turquoise and silver. What the fuck? I don't know, Arnie. you got to rethink a lot of things. I'm rethinking a lot of things. I mean, there is no ACDC here, but I am singing right from the get-go. Who made who? Who made this? I mean, where the hell? I know a lot about movies. I don't mind giving that little boast. I tend to know most of the movies that come down the pike. When we found out that there was a follow-up to Maximum Overdrive, jaw on the floor. I had (laughs) no clue they would go back to such a thing. And how they got the rights, if you know any behind-the-scenes information at all, I'm dying to hear it. Oh, you're dying, all right. (laughs) This was, believe it or not, a pilot for a TV series. What? No! Yes! In 1997? I mean, today they'll make a TV series out of anything, but really? They thought this was a show? I watched this movie, if we will Dane call it a movie, and then I dug out my book that I picked up specifically for this retrospective, Creep Shows, the illustrated Stephen King movie guide, out of print, but really cheap. It actually has an entry discussing this with Stephen King, where he talks about how this was an idea for a TV movie slash pilot made for USA, the network that would eventually do the Dead Zone TV series. So the concept could be what? Each week they're running from the same truck? <laughs> they go to a different town and the trucks there try to hit them? It seems limited. Yeah, this is, was what I thought would blow your mind. Because we discussed way back with Generation X whether or not that could be a 
TV pilot. And Stuart, you were right. The director, just the week that X-Men Days of Future Past came out, said that he was making a standalone film. Nobody ever mentioned a series to him, but he could have seen it as a backdoor pilot in that way. But here, it's just the opposite. I don't see how you continue this. I don't see where the story goes, what the storytelling engine is that every week there's more to the story but somehow this was intended to be a series is this dino was dino's i didn't see his name involved in this but he's not going back to the well oh no maximum overdrive and king kong lives were the one-two punch that put de laurentis entertainment group out of business and basically they had to liquefy all assets I do have a nice mental image of the Green Goblin just driving through his North Carolina studio and destroying it all. So yeah, De Laurentiis has nothing to do with this, but odds are out of that fire auction to pay off the De Laurentiis debt, somebody got the rights to this, and there's not a lot of ink devoted to this. There's no special features. Wiki doesn't even deign to give this a plot summary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm wondering if you should. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot there. All I can tell you is it was made in Canada. It screened on the USA Network October 29th, 1997. And what we saw was a gorier version. There were entire extra sequences filmed just for the DVD to add some gore and an R rating. Okay, that's going to explain some of the questions I have throughout this film. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I can guess where those extra scenes are because they have nothing to do with the main <laughs> yes. action. Yeah, and yeah. when I read that, the big light bulb went off over my head as well. Well, you know, I I approach this like I approach a lot of this night shift with gritted teeth. And uh, my only hope for this was that it could improve upon a really terrible Stephen King directorial debut. I don't know who Chris Thompson is. I see he directed a couple episodes of Time Tracks, a <laughs> Canadian sci-fi show. <laughs> I thought that was the TBS music video show. No, that's Night Tracks. Okay, okay. But, you know, uh, that's probably better than King. This guy could do it. And the screenwriter is a veteran, Brian Taggart. He did V, remember that TV series? And Poltergeist 3, he did Omen 4. I mean, these people are going to make trash. No doubt about it. (laughs) But can it be a higher caliber of trash is really my only question here. Well, no, I have another question. Is this a standalone effort or is this a sequel? Could this actually be seen as... While Amelia was in North Carolina at the truck stop, Timothy Busfield is pumping gas in Nevada. Could this exist in the same universe? That's the other thing I'm wondering. Is this Maximum Overdrive 2? I personally think the intent was to make everyone forget Stephen King's coked-out venture. I mean, this isn't called Maximum Overdrive, and they probably could have. This is called Trucks. Well, if you'd like to retcon it and put all these movies in the same universe the way I try to come up with a retcon for Stan Lee being the same character in all the Marvel movies, feel free to fanfic that out. But (laughs) I don't think that's anybody's intent. I might. You know, we'll get into it when we get into it. But it's possible. There's no green in the sky. And this isn't 1987. Yeah, it isn't 1987. That's true. Well, then I guess you better tell them the story if it's a new one. What's the plot, Arnie? At a tourist resort in Bridgeton, Nevada, a group of locals become stranded when the machines around them come to life. Why do they come to life? Who knows? It could be aliens. They are near Area 51. Could also be related to a toxic spill. Movie's not going to tell us. It doesn't. I can't believe it. (laughs) Well, there's. I'm going to cross that question out then. I thought I missed something. (laughs) Yeah. 
I couldn't believe it. I, I think it's aliens. <laughs> we'll discuss it. <laughs> I, I think that's the most likely explanation, especially now that you tell me this is written by the screenwriter of V. But we're going to focus on single father Ray Porter, played by Timothy Busfield, and his son Logan, as well as Hope Gladstone, a local tour guide played by Brenda Backey. Hope was about to start a tour group with three members, Thad Timmy, his daughter Abby, and an obese ex-hippie nerd named Jack. On the news, they see that Bridgeton is quarantined for a toxic spill, so they believe the crazy vehicles are centralized to that region. So the plan they come up with is, well, Thad was an Air Force pilot, so he's going to go to Area 51 and steal a chopper. And then he'll come back and airlift the rest out. So they hatch a... I I can't bring myself to say daring or exciting or even interesting, (laughs) but a plan. And it works and they escape eventually. And Ray, Logan, and Abby get to the chopper. Only to find Thad isn't at the controls. It's flying itself. A robotic voice comes from the intercom and tells them to hold on as credits roll and I scream at my home theater, what the fuck did I watch? (laughs) Oh, I'm not the only one here. Can I go back and give last week a green arrow, please? I feel so bad. I am laughing now because Stuart's like, I know next week. It can't be worse than what we just saw with Maximum Overdrive. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what you think, Stuart, if you're going to stand by that statement. Yeah, somewhere King is maniacally laughing. It does do some things better. I can say that. I'm, I'm going to with... It's some things, but is it better overall? I'm going to withhold saying whether which is the better movie till we get to the end of the podcast. I think I can keep my cards close to the vest on that. But I will say that in some areas... Like the characters, I know the names of every character in this story, which was not true of Maximum Overdrive. And so this is a more dramatic take and a more (laughs) character-driven take. Whether that will make it a better take or a more boring take, uh, let's discuss. But first, before we even get to the truck stop, we have an homage to Psycho with a death in the shower scene between a junkyard man feeding his dogs and then getting in the tub and a junker that comes to life and runs him over. This confuses me because (laughs) this happens before anything else in the movie, which means that the trucks were evil or at least this truck was evil and plotting something nefarious before any other possibility is introduced. Well, it still could be aliens, right? I mean, there's nothing that, there's no comet or anything that would bring the alien broom. They're near Area 51. Later on, they drop a very timely reference for 97 about SETI. Remember when everyone had SETI running on their desktop computers to help us find aliens with our sleep cycles? And so it's possible that the aliens just came at this point. It's possible that there's a comet and the whole world went nuts and we just see this truck first. But right away, I can see the rules are different because this truck, it's got a lazy eye or a headlamp that's (laughs) outside of the... The rear view mirror. Yeah, the side mirror. No, there's also a headlight that's out of dangling from its power cable. And it sucks that headlight back in. That's the first sign that it's evil. I'm thinking these are now magical vehicles. Unlike last time where they were just self-driving, but they followed vehicular rules. This truck is like Christine. It can fix itself. It can do whatever it needs to do in order to kill. I thought they were GoBots. But yes, it's interesting. (laughs) This time, it is for sure 
only the trucks. There won't be any microwaves. There won't be any electrical carving knives, radios. Nothing goes kaflooey except trucks. I don't even think cars are affected. It is just the trucks. I do wonder about that. I thought at one point there was an arcade game or something. I know there was an arcade game in the last one. I thought there was a machine, but maybe there was just a fight and they knocked into it, and that's why it sparked up. We'll discuss that. But yeah, yeah. there was there was a sizzling sound, and whether that there was, was a pinball machine is what it yeah. was. Yeah. Also, though, there is a hazmat suit that comes to life. It is not mm. a truck. Oh, we'll get there. We will get there. Yeah. You know what? I I'm gonna forgive this film of a lot. I'm not gonna get all <laughs> mangler two on it. Why do these trucks why how can they swivel their side mirrors like that's what they actually need to see through to run someone down we will get to that suit because that is where i lose my shit over this film (laughs) yes mine as well (laughs) you like midnight movie trash jacob there is some of that here but (laughs) by and large this is a different tack they're not trying to be audacious they're not trying to go for that ACDC sweet spot. I think they really want to make a legitimate horror film here. For better or for worse, when I see a bloody shower curtain blowing away in the wind after the truck pulls onto the road, I get where they're headed. And I'm curious to see if they can stay on the road or where. They're on a highway to hell. (laughs) <laughs> yes, they swerve and crash into a ditch. I don't know. But I I mean, I do think the characters are better here. I mean, Hope is a photogenic, reasonably perky, likable character. She's got a character arc. It, it's maybe a little contrived. We'll find out she's the victim of domestic abuse that's returned home to this town. It's called Lunar. It's basically a tourist trap. The town exists to sell alien trinkets to tourists who are touring nearby Area 51 or getting as close to the mythical Area 1 military base as they're allowed. And so she's going to run a a tour in which it's basically hiking and camping, but with an alien theme to it. I I thought that was kind of fun. It was very 90s. I mean, when you consider this is 1997, I'm thinking about X-Files. I'm thinking about Men in Black. I mean, yeah, this was kind of a thing right now. And yeah, there would have been people that would have been up for such a tour. Yeah, because this takes place in Lunar, I am thinking aliens, and that's the reason behind all that. But really, you liked Hope? Like, we talked about Emilio not doing a whole lot of emoting. I didn't think she does much here. At one point, she's like, no, I'm scared to death. Like, I get nothing off this character. I I don't think these characters... Well, no one chews up the scenery, except maybe Jack a little bit in this film. I don't get anything from these characters. I don't see this as an improvement over last week. I thought she did okay, and if I can play six degrees of maximum overdrive, (laughs) she was in Hot Shots Part Do with Charlie Sheen, who was in Men at Work with Emilio, who was in Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So... She earned this sequel, or (laughs) spinoff, or whatever it is. It was written in the stars. She was also in L.A. Confidential, but I didn't want to bring that up. But no, I think she does okay here. I mean, she's no Timothy Busfield. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy Busfield. Was he just jealous of Michael Gross getting that Sometimes They Come Back sequel? He's like, (laughs) I want to be in a cheap Stephen King movie. How come the star of 30-something in Revenge of the Nerds can't get a cheesy straight-to-DVD movie in 1997? I think he was just looking for a gig. He had a couple failed TV series. I actually watched one called The Birds of Paradise because I was a Seth Green fan and he played Seth Green's father. He was just, he was going from TV series to TV series after 30 something ended. I kind of think he still is. So 
this is where he ended up in this, hey, it's a job. He's not looking too good, though. I remember thinking in 30-something, I was surprised Poindexter could be so cool as that ad exec. Here, his hairline's kind of receding. He's kind of thin. He's looking more Poindexter than anything. But it works for him. I actually think that it's true to the character that this is a dad that has moved away from Detroit. He's given up kind of on the world. He just wants to protect his son. He doesn't care about how he looks. So the fact that Timothy Busfield is okay with pumping gas, he's got, you know, like a... He looks like he just came out of his trailer. Like, I don't even think he saw makeup. I think that they're just (laughs) like, oh, Timothy's on the set. Let's shoot. I mean, and it works. It works for this character because he has no vanity. You're saying X-Files and everything yells 90s. What yells 90s? 90s to me is Ray. We find out he what lost his wife because of a drive-by shooting. <laughs> like that is 90s. The the fear of drive-bys. But yeah, I I guess if you're really digging character arcs, there there are some here versus Maximum Overdrive. I I'm never consumed by these characters. I'm never drawn in. I don't really care about their sob stories that we'll get into later on. No, no, no. I mean, last week the crayons were stuck up someone's nose. This time they're <laughs> trying to draw. I'm not saying that it's art. I'm just saying that I'm seeing a picture being painted here and I can evaluate it as whereas last week, I mean, oh my God, we look, we were confounded by last week. Here, I'm getting characters. I see who they are. Are they a little contrived? Sure, they're contrived, but this is not going to be any better. At best, this could be just a contrived story about people trapped by trucks in a truck stop. I mean, it doesn't have to be art. And I would take that. Yeah, I agree. I would happily take that if... Unlike last week, it can succeed in not boring me. But I'm going to reveal something here. This movie, it could have won me back. But never in the history of now playing have I looked at the timer of a movie, realized I'm 12 minutes in and gone, well, that's a red arrow. (laughs) Really? Within 12 minutes, you had made up your mind. There was nothing they could do. Maybe it could have won me back. But I knew 12 minutes in, which was the time that Hope's tour begins, and we're introduced to the other single father, Tad, and his snarky daughter, and then the fat geek. And I'm like, oh my god, these are the characters I'm going to have to spend the next 90 minutes with. I want them all run down. As annoying as Yardley Smith was to you two last week, everyone is here to me. Especially that daughter, Abby. No, well, yeah, the Abby is atrocious, as I think they were playing into that. She's a teenage girl that hates her parents for divorcing and ignoring her, and so she's crying for attention, literally screaming for attention the whole movie, and unfortunately, they give her that attention. They don't give her the wheel. There's not a lot of killing in this movie. I gotta say, if you don't like the characters, you're in trouble, because most of them don't end up in a ditch. I mean, I think more signage gets run over here than (laughs) human beings. But they're types. They have backstories. You know, George runs the diner. He's a Korean vet. We do get some... They're not newlyweds, but we get a couple that is kind of like Connie and Curtis that roll in here. We're seeing better characters than we did last time. Last time, I felt like they did exist to die. Here, I thought we were supposed to get to know them. And whether you like them or not, they're better drawn. I will say the the one character I did like, you call him the geek, Arnie, was that, that yeah, the hippie Jack. I thought the big reveal was going to be he was 
an alien. Like, they hint at that at the beginning. Like, he makes references. Like, but no, he's just a burned out hippie, it, it turns out. That was kind of a letdown for me. I thought that was the big twist here. That would have been awesome. That, I like that version of it. Yeah, there is something unique about it. He's the only one that isn't cynical about the aliens. I mean, Hope is kind of doing it, rolling her eyes. She doesn't believe in Area 51. She's just doing it for the tourists. And it turns out two of her tourists don't believe it either. Thad worked at that base, and he's like, yeah, there's no aliens there. So, really, he's the believer. He's the one person here that holds out hope that they're going to have an extraterrestrial encounter here. So, yeah, that would have been a fun turning point if he had, yeah had some antenna poke out or something. I don't know what they could have done with him. But that would have at least made it conclusive what's going on. Because what's frustrating is we may think that it is an alien. She mentions there's a meteorite. I was thinking about the comment that there was a meteorite. There could be something that is alien oriented that's making the trucks act out in this way or it could be related to the fact that this guy in camouflage drives his truck into an electrical grid system and it explodes this whole tanker goes up releasing a toxic gas which is i think what we're supposed to really think is causing these trucks no Except- no 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 way I, th- I thought a truck made him crash yeah the truck started driving itself then he lost control and went into the grid which is why i was really confused about this big black smoke thing in the sky first of all this big truck drives into the tiniest transformer like in front of my (laughs) house is a transformer not much smaller than the one this truck hits but what it does must have some underground chain reaction because it takes out power all over nevada and this black smoke in the sky everybody's looking at it like what is that and oh my god i just had an epiphany but i'll get there Cannot wait. They're looking at it, and I'm thinking it's a sign that you've lost power, but then they start talking about this chemical spill, which I take as a cover-up. The government's going to have the news people saying it's a chemical spill to hide the aliens that are in that area. But now the epiphany I had in the middle of that is, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, there were extra scenes of death filmed for the DVD. This opening with the psycho shower you mentioned, Stuart, which is the first time we see a truck, maybe that was an added scene. Maybe this whole fucking thing about the truck hitting it is the excuse, and when they went back to add more gore for the gore hounds, they fucked up their entire plot. Yeah, no, that I that's you're on my wavelength now. That's what I honestly believe. We were meant to believe that the chemical spill, it's like a Return of the Living Dead when the canisters open and the gas gets out. That's what causes all the zombies to come out of the crypt. That's what causes all the trucks to go crazy, except probably the editor said, "You know, this movie's really boring. We need to have something. We need to start with a death with a jolt." So, yeah, they thought it was worth sacrificing coherence to have that shower scene. Yeah, you know what? I I was probably so bored by the 12-minute mark like you, Arnie. I didn't even put that together because I did think this, what, BC-972, it's like, ooh, this big chemical. I thought, oh, okay, that's what's making trucks come alive. But yeah, we've already seen trucks come alive in this film. So I I guess the film couldn't even follow its own continuity. It just ends up being one adhesive for rocket ships. It's not that exciting of a reveal. But is that even the truth? I still think government cover-up, because I was on the same page as you, Jacob. I 
saw a truck drive itself in the opening credits, and this guy loses control of the truck for no discernible reason. There's no Listerine or cocaine. I don't know why he'd lose control. <laughs> and so I thought the truck, this was another homicide. The truck was driving itself into the power plant to kill its driver. But that's how it plays because we've seen a truck go crazy already. But I honestly believe it's supposed to be the, the BC 972 that's doing it. And I think the cover is that the newscasters are saying it was just an adhesive when in fact it did something else. That ultimately admits that there was some Project Phoenix thing going on, that there was something, he, I don't know, he stopped short of citing aliens, but he implies that there were things that were suspect that the government was doing at the military base that could have led to what they're experiencing right now. I I would have liked to have known more about that, but I, I do believe that we're supposed to think the military is responsible with or without alien involvement. Yeah, now that I know this is, was supposed to be a pilot, some of the lack of explanation, I guess, makes sense. Perhaps that would be one of the ongoing mysteries. Is it aliens? Is it the government? Yeah, we find out about Area 51 because the whole time that is like, nope, nope, just military base, nothing secret going on, and then and at the end, he's like, well, yeah, there was a private corporation and they had some telescopes there, some satellites. Not sure what they were doing. I'm like, here's the reveal. But nope. And then we just move on. Maybe that would be the hook. Instead of looking yeah. for the man with one arm, yeah. it would Men be. Black. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly it is that we were expected to think that Timothy Busfield and Hope were Mulder and Scully. I mean, it's crazy now. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's the hook. If this indeed was the concept, that, that's the only thing I can imagine. Mulder and Scully with two disaffected children along for the ride. Sign me up. <laughs> but yes, that this is all coming to me now in a retroactive way because yeah. I had not put that together as far as that crash goes at that point. They really shouldn't have had Phil killed at the beginning. They have a kill early on. They should have just gotten to this earlier. Hope goes to get some supplies and a racist trucker makes a pass at her and then gets in his refrigerated truck. I think you could have started with the crash. He could pass that crash and then you would have known that his vehicle had been contaminated and you would have understand why it stopped and he loses control and ends up in the back of the refrigerated truck, a prisoner as it goes on a rampage. Do we ever see him get out does he die in there that, that's another thing i just forget about things as this movie goes along because it doesn't seem like there's any real cohesion with all the, the the different you know not even kills just scenes of trucks moving around <laughs> like yeah, yeah this trucker gets locked in the back of this meat truck what happens to him and that happens before the chemical truck crashes too yes with the proper editing it didn't have to but yes <laughs> the final cut what we're seeing here yes which negates the chemical spill and another driverless truck attacks Hope before this crash. So, I mean, I know they added scenes. Nothing was said that they've completely re-edited this film. So it was always incoherent. Yeah, I think I do think that it was always incoherent. Because now that you've mentioned I'd forgotten about the refrigerator truck because I'm trying to purge this movie, which I watched 12 hours ago from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I, but with the refrigerator truck and the truck that attacks Hope both coming before they lose power, then I do think it's just incoherent in that it's not a chemical spill and I'm back to the cover up. Well, be that as it may, I I'm, I'm certainly don't want to be in the unfortunate position of trying to defend this movie's logic. I think you could cut it down to an hour in which there would be a sequential understanding from the truck crash and the tanker releasing the gas, how everything that happens afterwards 
could be edited to follow in line, to be the result of that, would have made it a cleaner film, and that they don't have any answers to explain it, well, they should have done it that way. But then things kind of do get back to maximum overdrive territory when Timothy Busfield comes to the rescue and picks him up after a not particularly exciting yeah, truck attack. They find that, very similar to the last time, that I think there's less trucks is the problem. There's only four trucks, none with green goblins on them, but four trucks that are going to terrorize them for the rest of the movie. Well, come on. There's a little toy truck, too. I mean, this has got to be one of those scenes they added in for gore. Like, I'm waiting yes. for that 30-minute opening of Maximum Overdrive where we just see carnage. We get a scene with a toy truck going after a mailman. I can't believe you wouldn't love this scene, Jacob. Come on. This is right up your alley. I love this scene. The fact that the truck actually bullies other toy trucks to create a lift ramp so it can jump out of the toy store through the glass door and then it starts barking like a dog at the mailman. This is Camp Gold. Yeah, I agree. This is what you want, Jacob. You're claiming you don't. But if this movie had more of this vibe and probably a, a better rock and roll score than the guy <laughs> in a, with a synthesizer tootling along, I, I think that you would be into this moment. Yeah, if this was built up, if I knew this was the kind of movie I was going to get, but this seems so out of place, which apparently it is. They just threw it in for the DVD cut. You know, I again, because this film hasn't set itself up as a trashy B-movie, I'm just wondering. I'm like, there's no way that toy truck has the mask to actually bang someone's head in and kill them. I do like the blood. I'm glad we finally got some blood in this film. And the fact that there was spam jelly smeared over the front of the truck after. Yes, I, I loved how bad it looked. That was great. I got to get – that was – Nothing else in this movie is great, but watching brain matter on a toy truck as it drives away, beeping as it backs away. I love <laughs> yeah, every time it went in reverse, boop, boop, yeah, boop. that was that was inspired. Whoever came up was the genius that said, "Hey, we have a fifty-minute pilot and we need to make it a, a feature in order to release it," and came up with this. Kudos to you. This was a fun ad. It just doesn't tonally fit with the rest of the movie. And when we get these other side kills with these anonymous people, it is just it takes you out of the movie because you're like these aren't the characters we care about these aren't the characters you told us were important yeah i was thinking of deke from last week because he was the baseball player not at the truck stop who made his way to the truck stop so when we're introduced to this mailman and then later on a couple of government officials coming in to investigate the quote-unquote spill i'm thinking these guys are going to play into the larger plot and then when they never do i was really confused until i read that book about the extra scenes yeah, th- there was a scene like almost right before the end of this film about an electrician, like <laughs> trying to restore electric, like new character, 80 minutes in, out of nowhere, that this kill just, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, yeah, it makes sense now. I could see the scenes. I mean, okay, let, let me talk about one and then we, I guess we can get back to the plot because we have all these side kills, which I, I get, they are more fun than what we're going to talk about for the rest of this movie. Yeah, definitely. I, I know where you're going and I do love this one, but I hate this one. I hate, th- okay, look, I promise I'm not getting all mangler too. I'm not, I said, I'm not going to freak out about rear view mirrors and side mirrors moving on their own. But come on, when the truck fills up a suit, a hazmat suit with 
I guess, air, oxygen, gas, something. And then that suit comes alive and can move around and swing an axe. That's not how this stuff works. It's breaking the rules of the movie. Yeah. You need to establish the rules of the machines and what they can do. And the Tonka truck that kills the guy, it's at least within the rules that electronics are coming to life and trying to kill you. But that suit, it may have a couple of electronics in there. It may have breathing that if you were wearing it, it could turn off and suffocate you. But it cannot move the arms of an air-filled suit. It just, that's a different movie. That's a different M.O. That's Maximum Overdrive 2. Yes, I would have bought that in Maximum Overdrive. And we're in trucks, is the problem. That if you were making the sequel, these scenes are great. Actually, the electrician scene no. is not good. That should just not be there. They just, they didn't even try with that one. <laughs> they know that by the po- that point in the movie, everyone's given up, so put the shit scene there. Yeah, it's it's past the 12-minute mark for Arnie. Yeah, but the toy truck and then the cleanup crew, these are the guys that are being sent to clean up the toxic waste that know that this is what's responsible for causing these problems. And I think they're the men in black coming with their neuralizers to stop the aliens, hence because when they're like, get your suit ready and naming the code, which they later say is the code for the adhesive, I think it's a code for an alien invasion. Yeah, th- these guys that are going to get killed and will never go back to this chemical spill. It's it's here to set up a death, and that's it. Yeah, that's too bad. It was an opportunity miss, but I do like those two scenes a lot as a sequel to Maximum Overdrive. But you told me you were making trucks. It jars you every time you get whiplash. It doesn't belong. And so I'm left wondering, would it be better without it? Or am I grateful that I'm getting these cheesy laughs? The movie would have been over with quicker. Yeah, because not a lot really is happening at the truck stop. There's, you know, a lot of crying and and histrionics. I mean, we get the newlyweds trapped in one cabin with the kids, and then the uh, everyone else is in the diners, and basically the dads are worried about their children. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But just because you've established characters and who they are doesn't mean I care about them, and that's what I'm running into here with the middle of the movie. It's the same problem as Maximum Overdrive. I just don't want these people to live. There's one couple that I kind of like. You know, we've talked about Ray and his family, and we've talked about Hope and her tour group, but there's a couple there that seems to be just like on a weekend getaway. They The Jaegers? Yes, the Jaegers. They just stuck a pin in a map and they ended up in Lunar. And these two, I give it 100% to the actors for making them not despicable. Because the words they say, I can't decide if these two are the most in love couple in the world or if she's the most nagging wife in the world. If these were played more rote by different actors, these two would be like on the verge of a divorce. This weekend was their last attempt to make a go of it, but they just can't stand each other anymore and they're done. But because these two do it with this like loving, laughing way, it makes them really endearing. I don't get the endearing. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that y- Yardley Smith would have played this part if she weren't doing The Simpsons at this point. You could actually have Kurt and Connie coming back <laughs> as jaded 10th anniversary and having the same thing happen to them at a new truck stop would have actually been a funny that joke. That would have been funny, yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, they couldn't get them and they're not trying to tie back to that. So we don't get that, but I don't like them. I can't go with you on that. These are the most charming. I think the most charming are the, ones that are the most humanist. I I do think it's the overprotective dad and the battered wife that wants to start a tour company. 
Yeah, I like the hippie. No one else I really care about. I the mean, hippie. Yeah, right. You're right. I like him when he gets in the argument with the diner owner, and they were both at the Chicago riots of 68, only they figure out later that one was a protester and one was a cop. I, I lived in Chicago. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah I, I like that kind of stuff. But Artie, come on. You're, you're telling me you're rooting for this couple when there's this sex scene, which was this thrown in? There's no nudity, so I don't know why they... Yeah, who's who was this good for other than them? Out of place sex scene that where yeah. they screw and then watch trucks around them. I just took it as these this couple reconnecting. Hey, if Yardley can get fingered in a booth, they can bang <laughs> in their cabin. I thought a truck was going to smash in while they were having sex and kill them. Well, that's the point. The trucks nearly collide with them as they're going back to the cabin, but they're so horny, they don't notice. Usually when you're horny in a horror movie, that means you're dead. I thought it was clearly telegraphed that these were despicable people and they are going to die and we shouldn't shed tears. And they do die. I mean, one tries to figure out, hopes one vehicle was crushed early on, but she has a second one that is locked up in her shed. And Brad Yeager is good with cars, apparently. So he's out there tinkering, and it ends up crushing him against the, <laughs> the garage door. They, I don't know. I guess they wanted to do a car death without, A, having to show a mannequin get hit, and B, do a lot of blood. Come on, Brad may be good with mechanics, but he ain't too bright. You're watching trucks come alive. That's everything you've seen. Oh, let me go work on this truck. Like, it, it's not that this is a car. We haven't seen cars come alive. There's going to be a motorcycle later. Okay, we haven't seen motorcycles. This is a truck. Do they know? I, this couple is kind of clueless. They might think that there's drivers in those vehicles. I think they think that there's drivers. They weren't involved in all these other conversations. Right. They were having sex. The ones in the diners know because the owners of those trucks are eating and are going, hey, I'm not in the cab. But I think these people just think that there's some angry rednecks out there honking their horn and they're trying to get away. I don't know why the children aren't explaining it to them, but they're yeah, too busy the having a, a love story, I guess. <laughs> you know, there's someone that I don't want to have a happy ending. Abby, Logan, you deserve better than Abby. I just think some of the storytelling that occurs here put me suspicious, but I now wonder if it's just inept filmmaking versus anything else, because they're trying to get something on the TV in the diner. There's no power, but somehow the TV's working. They got a generator, and... It only works when there's a news report they need to hear. Yes. It's very convenient. And it shows static, and the static fades really unrealistically into the show, into the news program, which is very clear, and then it just fades back to static in a way that just put me suspicious. This is not how real static works. I believe the government is blacking out all broadcasts and allowing people to see only what they want you to see. Because, I mean, at one point, she says that they're going to try to evacuate everyone when the toxic cloud is gone. Nobody's choking and dying here. There's, there's a puff of smoke like miles away. And then they say just stay tight. And they're like stay tight for what? What are we exactly is the hope that we're pinning on here? And so I again, is it conspiracy? Is it incompetence? Yes. Well, here's the problem, and it was a problem with Maximum Overdrive, too. There's no real good reason why they can't do what they do at the end of the movie in the middle of the movie. They ultimately realize, hey, there's some hiking trails. These vehicles can't get to them. Hope knows them. This guy can hike all the way back to Area 51. I mean, there should be no problem getting away, but they have all this deliberation about, well, let's hide the kids in a pipe, as if that were a good idea. Yeah, there, there's this whole thing, like... The 
Ray has this mysterious power where the trucks won't go after him. And so it's because he's a pump jockey and they know they need him <laughs> to give them gas. Well, that's what I'm getting at. That is the dumbest resolution to a mystery ever. Like now we're going straight back to maximum overdrive where it's like, oh, they just want gas. We're not going to do Morse code. It's just like he's got to figure it out. And eventually he just fills it up with gas. And it's a very it's all just so bland. I mean, Emilio, he was committing to those forehead wipes when he was hot in the sun. No, no. Yeah, here's the thing, Jacob. This is just as unsatisfying as last week. The difference is is in the volume in which they're pitching this. Last week, they turned it up to 11 and they shrieked it through an electric guitar. And this is a TV movie with TV movie drama where it focuses more on characters than violence. But was one better than the other? I don't see it. Uh, I think the last one at least had more varied characters here. I'm like, there's two single fathers. One's a single father of a son. One's a single father of a daughter. But they're both dealing with divorce slash death. It it felt like they were hitting the same notes. And man, some of the others were so broadly drawn. Jack, you guys said you like Jack. I like the idea of Jack. But what's this big epiphany when he's like, I run a bookstore in Big Sur. And what? what? It's, a, it's a joke. I mean, if you've been to Northern California, it's not far yeah. from San Francisco. It's a granola type. I mean, he's a parody. And his character arc is that he ends up sacrificing his life to protect Abby because she was stupid enough to run out there and try to answer a payphone. It's unsatisfying. But I, I'm with Jacob. I, they should have done something more clever with him. He could have been an, an alien companion to help explain something, except I don't think that aliens were doing it. Yeah, nothing is clever here. You just brought up that payphone. Yeah, this payphone's ringing. I'm like, oh, this is how the trucks are going to maybe talk to them instead of the whole Morse code thing. No, like that was their plan to lure them out. Like, we'll make the phone ring. No, no. No, there was no plan on that. It was a random – somebody was calling that payphone. We never know who. That's even worse. It was a random call? It was a random call, yes. (laughs) That is even worse (laughs) than having the trucks call it. Sorry. Yeah, I thought it was the trucks, and I thought there was a whole point to that. I thought it was a trap, honestly. I thought the trucks were, like, wanting to kill someone, so they baited a trap, and that's what they got. No, there's only trucks here. I I think that's pretty clear. But it's not, because at the end, there's a helicopter that can talk. Well, that's, we're getting to the twist. (laughs) My point is that at this point in the story, we understand that only trucks, whether they be toy trucks or large semis, can be affected. The phone isn't in on it. The TV isn't in on it. They're having electrical problems because the generator was hit, not because aliens or the government are doing anything or the trucks are doing anything to those pieces of equipment. I took it to mean that these people felt trapped and they needed to talk to someone on the outside to have help come get them, that Lunar had been forgotten in the evacuation or whatever was going on, and so they needed to talk to someone, and the only operational phone was outside. Well, this is all the incompetent storytelling, because the way, Arnie, you pointed out, the way that TV fades in and out, that is not natural, that pinball. I thought other machines were being affected. The focus was on trucks, but other things were being manipulated by whatever mysterious force. That's why I assumed the trucks and the phones were working together. Don't you think that's because you watched the movie last week? If you saw this first or didn't know about Maximum Overdrive, I don't know you would have made that conclusion. That TV is not naturally fading in and out. Yeah. It's called trucks. 
It's called trucks, people. But the way that they keep dropping Area 51, I wasn't looking at this through the prism of Maximum Overdrive. I was looking at this through the prism of Stephen King's short story. As I said last week, I expected this to be a reinterpretation of that short story. This is even further away from the short story than Maximum Overdrive. But they have somebody crawling through a pipe and they have trucks, so I guess it's not sue-worthy. Or maybe this made no money. But... I was just looking at it like that, and the way they just keep dropping Area 51, you don't put this in Nevada on accident. You don't keep mentioning aliens and SETI and Phoenix on accident. You're leading me to a place. Yeah, no, I took it to mean that that substance that was released was alien substance. I kept waiting for Thad to explain what it might be. I kept waiting for more guys in hazmat suits to come. I thought that the conclusion would bring me that. You're still waiting. Yeah, yeah, no, that is not satisfying and I can't defend. But I think that the alien influence of this was yet to be explained in that smoke. It all is pertaining to that smoke and how aliens factor into that will remain clouded. But eventually they do what should be obvious. They run up a hill and the trucks can't get up there. <laughs> uh, you know, they have all this deliberation. What really pissed me off was the only thing they set up with this kid character, Logan, is that he really wants to have this motorcycle and his dad's too overprotective to allow him to keep it. It was left there by a convict and he takes really good care of it and he's just not allowed to ride it you gotta give him a moment on the bike right you gotta have one scene with the kid saving the day on the bike right i can't believe they didn't do that now they did run up a hill that's it george is the vet so he's got to go out in a blaze of glory we see him shoot his shotgun into the night and and get run over for it why does he do that what is the i mean i know he's basically like throwing himself on the grenade here to he's sacrificing himself so the others can escape yeah but i didn't really see it as helping them in any way because the truck wasn't able to go after them anyway yeah they had already gone they were already up the hill by this time he decided to start shooting so why he couldn't just join them they mention at some point that he's dying of liver cancer so i just thought that he this is how he wanted to die rather than you know in a hospital bed he was gonna be a war hero again but i can't defend it more than that and i guess it distracts the other trucks so ray could go and he earlier when he is refueling the trucks he spotted a i guess a shotgun in one of them so he's able to steal that at this point which he blows up i guess the main truck like i okay <laughs> as goofy as green goblin was at least you could identify like that's the main bad guy i feel like Unless you're going to go full Hitchcock birds where it's just consuming the screen with your villains. This is like four trucks in this one. Yeah, they're not good trucks. You you got to have one that's the main bad guy. Yeah, I could have been fine with the refrigerated truck. It was the first one that we saw kill someone. Or, uh, you know, maybe the red truck that the trucker runs out and tries to take control of. But his friend throws Molotov cocktails on and blows it up. I mean, they could have picked a truck and said, this is the big bad truck. And I would have believed them. But... Yeah, it just ends up being a truck that Timothy Busfield shoots and then chases them for a climax. And, and Timothy Busfield, big character arc, didn't like guns early on, starts shooting them later. They do nothing against these trucks. His wife died in a drive-by, come on! <laughs> so, is this a pro-NRA movie? <laughs> Get over your <laughs> hatred of guns, you need one in case the aliens come? Again, I feel like this arc would have been stronger if he let his son save the day on that bike. But maybe the kid couldn't ride the bike. Maybe that was written that way, and then they realized that Brendan Fletcher was not capable of, of doing the stunt that they needed. By the way, Brendan Fletcher, veteran of Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. Didn't recognize him. <laughs> 
but they do escape, and I expected there to be more to it. The trucks are following them. They found the other way up the hill, and so it's that race to the chopper, and think it's a happy ending. I mean, the last- No, no, no. I was like, why are you trusting this chopper? You've seen trucks trying to kill you. I wasn't trusting this chopper. I don't know why these characters would, why they would trust anything before they saw a driver was actually in there. The chopper does save them. So, I mean, is this the Autobot and the truck is the Decepticon? Yeah, I I don't get this (laughs) ending. It's just hang on, folks. I repeat, just hang on. Yeah, Thad's not around, right? He's gone. He's You think he's piloting this helicopter. Abby looks distraught, so I'm guessing he died. I I thought Thad and he... Is his brain in the helicopter? What is going on with this ending? That I could not tell. I couldn't tell whether that was the military base radioing back to them, speaking to them, or whether they were actually saying that the helicopter was not only sentient and capable of moving by itself, but had a personality and wanting to chat them up. I could not tell you that. I think it was a mistake to have the voice in there. But come on, for an end twist to a cheesy TV movie, this isn't half bad. I thought it kind of work that you know they thought they were safe and no they're not it's spread now it's in choppas no it would work if i thought they were safe and i don't i did think they were safe and when the helicopter proved to be empty i was both happy and sad i was happy because the credits were rolling i was sad because there was no answer to the fucking mystery yeah that is a burn on this movie is that it's fine to have that as the twist but you needed to answer a lot of questions that you just freeze frame right over and because there's no tv series we'll never get an answer there's no cigarette smoking man to return but so based on what it is jacob stewart do you recommend trucks jacob well, the recommend I'm going to give, it, it's based on what I thought this was before I found out that this was a pilot. And this is pretty much a pile of crap, <laughs> whether as a pilot or as a movie. Look, this is bad storytelling. I, You know, Maximum Overdrive, I get it. That's bad storytelling, too. The characters, who they are, does it really matter? No, it's they're there to blow cars up and yell and do B-movie kind of stuff. This film, though, like, we knew that there was a comment in that last film. Here, what is the reason? Why is there a cloud? Why is this cloud a chemical? important like there are so many strands of this plot that are never answered this is bad like okay the characters may be a little more developed but there is no plot here they make some trucks come alive and there's things said and nothing is resolved at the end of the day this is bad there's nothing enjoyable here i I guess if you could separate that one killing of the postman with the toy truck that's okay it kind of had a smirk except it doesn't work in the context of this film which almost makes it just as bad so yeah strong not recommend for this trucks Stuart. Yeah, strong not recommend. Red Arrow, that's not the debate here. The debate has been, is this an improvement over Maximum Overdrive? And I don't know. It's like they took Maximum Overdrive and cut the brakes. I mean, this is flat. This is flavorless. It has no flavor. Is that better than having an obnoxiously strong flavor? All I know for sure is I'm quite convinced nobody would like both of these. You're either going to go for King's Camp or you're going to think that this is a fine TV movie character study throwaway forgettable thing. I think the problem is this has been stretched out too long. If it were 50 minutes, 
It definitely would be better, but they've just padded it, and there's just not enough plot to go around. There's just half-baked plans that don't come together, things set up that don't come back. Trying to follow this plot is like breathing carbon monoxide. You just pass out before you can get done. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I'll go with King being better, because I think it has more impact. I think I smiled more. You know, I had more of a reaction to it. So it wins the battle. But I do think overall it's still a better made movie. I think that Chris Thompson is a better director. I think these are better actors. I think that there is a better attempt at telling a story. But eh, who wants a story? I want to laugh. And that's Maximum Overdrive. As you said to me when I gave Maximum Overdrive a red arrow, I think that's the right choice. There's no question. I knew 12 minutes in that this was going to be a red arrow. And unless the movie had had a hell of a lot more Tonka trucks in the budget, it was staying red and just getting deeper. (laughs) The question for me isn't if this is a red arrow. The question for me is, is this the worst King movie we've reviewed to date? Really? No, of course not. Yeah? What? I'm not so sure. You did kind of like Mangler 3, so I don't know if I trust your judgment here. <laughs> yeah, Mangler 3, Lawnmower Man 2, Graveyard Shift. Sometimes they come back 3. I know you don't mean this. This is not even close. No, I really do, because out of all of those others, the same reason you gave Maximum Overdrive a leg up over this is the reason I give mangler to a leg up over this the reason i give mangler three and sometimes they come back to and one and three all legs up over this is because there's something there that holds my interest this one all right i have to admit this i spent about three and a half hours watching this movie <laughs> i took a lot of pee breaks and yeah i i, t- I d- jogged a few laps i agree you can't sit down and watch no this. no i'm like surfing my phone that i'm like what the fuck happened rewind 20 minutes i spent 20 <laughs> minutes on my phone because i didn't want to watch this and i don't do that for now playing movies yeah you're usually very committed no matter how bad the film is to paying attention for this podcast I have bitched out my wife so often for asking me if I'd like a drink in the middle of a now-playing movie. I treat my home theater for a now-playing movie like a movie theater. (laughs) Cell phones off, door closed, lights out, shut the fuck up. And here I am scrolling through my phone because this is so disinteresting. The only movie that competes with this for tedium is Graveyard Shift. That's the only one! And... It's still worse than this. This is the second worst King film. The second strongest of not recommends because this is boring, boring shit. There's nothing here that I walked away from going, well, I'm glad I saw you said better performances where there's nobody in here that, that I can enjoy as much as Yardley. No, what you're saying is that you would rather be entertained by schlock than watch dullness. Yeah, this is very dull. I don't think dull is the worst thing you can do, but I hear what you're saying. You you want to go beyond cyberspace, and this movie doesn't have any of that other than the toy truck and the suits filled with air. Exactly. I'd rather watch Plan 9 from Outer Space than something that's just barely competent but incoherent. I mean, yes, that's the other issue is as we've hashed out on this show this movie's incoherent beyond that at least graveyard shift was semi-coherent maybe this is worse but so what puts it over the edge of being spared the worst what does this have that graveyard shift didn't this one at least constantly from the very first scene has trucks (laughs) (laughs) 
Graveyard you're shift. You're disappointed the other one wasn't a graveyard shift for the entire film? Is that what you're saying? Graveyard shift has so much with that boss and the relationships and the townies and just utter padding that had nothing to do with the horror or the mysticism that that makes it even harder to watch. When I think about that scene about the sexually harassed employee smashing the boss's car and wonder what the fuck that's doing in that movie, that is what gave this one the edge. Okay, fair enough. And you know, I don't think we're far apart. I, You know, for the sake of argument, I took the stand that this has some merits over Maximum Overdrive. But ultimately, no, this was a loser. Uh, no, surprise, surprise, another <laughs> wing of the night shift, and they all stink. I mean, could they make trucks work? Would you want to see any trucks adaptation in the future? Or should we just go on to Transformers and forget we ever, ever watched these? Yeah, roll out. I don't want to see King ever write about inanimate objects coming to life again. Stop it. Oh, you're going to, but it's much, much better. Listen, Jacob, you just need to reset expectations because... (laughs) Lower standards is what you're saying. No, reset expectations. Christine is one of my favorite King books and movies, both. And I've never seen that one, but yeah, that's John Carpenter. I can't imagine it's junk. Okay, there is some hope there then. It's not this. I can, I can guarantee you it's going to be better than these two. Yeah, there's other inanimate objects in your future. They can be told well, and they can be this. So, no, but as far as do I want another Trucks remake? No. No, I didn't necessarily even care for the short story all that much. I thought it was thin and ill-developed. I think it helped King as a writing exercise. It certainly was an indicator of where his writing career would go. But I think the reason I never even knew there was trucks is because Maximum Overdrive is the first and last word on it. It's the author himself directing the feature. Done! There's no reason to go back there, and there's no way to get out of that shadow. So no, just, there's so much more King to exploit, there's no reason for a third Trucks film. Unless King decides to direct it himself and fix the problem. <laughs> and who would front that money? I mean, Dino's dead. I just can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a done deal. I think we're safe from this threat. We can close the cover on Trucks. It's not coming back. Sometimes they don't come back, and I'm grateful. But you know what this means, though? We only have one Night Shift short story left to cover. And then we're done with Night Shift. Yeah, the most famous, the most infamous, I suppose. One. There's some meddled math here. Yeah, one story. How many films? Nine. Nine children of the corn. Nine films, but one story. Yeah, you know what? I have vague memories of the Linda Hamilton one. I don't even know that I ever sat down and watched it. I remember bits from it. And of course, we've already had a preface when we watched those dollar babies. Disciples of the Crow was a first stab at that story. You know, there were spooky elements to that. I could see it working. I can't see it working for nine films. Yeah. No way. But I could see it working, and I could see some of them being fun. I know that the kids go to the hood in one of them. That's got to be fun. I haven't seen most of them. I'm looking forward to it. I... (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) As a Stephen King movie collector, I own most of them. So at least I can break the shrink wrap. I wonder how much we are looking forward to. You're not looking that much forward if you really want to experience this. But here's my hope. It's been a long, long time. Is one green arrow too much to ask for Night Shift? I mean, other than Cat's Eye and the Dollar Babies, it has been all red. 
And this is it. This is the only hope at this point. Children of the Corn. When we get to it after Gardens of the Galaxy and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, well, I'm hoping there's at least one that I can say green. Or at least brown. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've given out equal brown and green arrows on this retrospective so far. I think I have too. And if you're pinning your hopes on Linda Hamilton, you may be hoping for a little too much there. (laughs) But we will find out. But at least we and our listeners get a bit of a break from Night Shift again. Much needed. Because next week, I don't know, Stuart, I might prefer Trucks 3 to Transformers 4. (laughs) I don't know, Arnie. You also really like the idea of these robot dinosaurs. That seems to be the only hook of this one. Mark Wahlberg instead of Shia LaBeouf. That's an improvement. And robot dinosaur cars? Are they dinosaur cars? I don't even understand how this works, and I'm not convinced Michael Bay will explain it to me, but I will endure it. And who knows? It wouldn't be that hard to be the best of the series. Grimlock was my favorite Transformer growing up. Him or Soundwave. Those were the two, so... Oh, Grimlock? He was in that animated one. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Me no like this already! You forgot about the Dinobots! (laughs) I forgot about that whole thing until you said the word Grimlock. And the other 300 Transformers in that film. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. Dare to be stupid. They dare. They dare. (laughs) So we will be back next week with Transformers Age of Extinction. Stuart Jacob, thank you for joining me, and let's ride on. I hate those fucking trucks. I never did like trucks anyway. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Sorry, guys. It's fun while it lasts, but we're all out. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film based on Stephen King's books and short stories. That's what I was doing before every machine in the world went into maximum overdrive. And at our sister podcast, BooksAndNachos.com, you can hear Arnie's reviews of the original Stephen King books and stories on which these films are based. Now I know you beat the college boy. In the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find many more reviews of Stephen King films, including Sometimes They Come Back, The Lawnmower Man, Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, and more. This machine just called me an asshole! At our website, you can also find reviews of film series such as The Avengers, Star Trek, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Scream, Transformers, and Robocop. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Trucks don't drive by themselves. Stranger things have happened around here. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. We made them. You can! We made you! You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. <laughs> now playing's Trucks Retrospective Series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Shitty job, but I reckon somebody's got to do it. Ain't that right, Bubba? <laughs> now playing credit narration by Brock. That's one. I never heard no talk like that when I was a boy. <laughs> the film discussed in this podcast is the property of the original copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Now Playing Podcast is not affiliated with the makers or distributors of these films. Did you hear anything that man said? 
The opinions expressed in Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I don't know what to make you, boy. You bright. I know you. Keep on being obtuse. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Today we're discussing trucks starring Timothy Busfield. <laughs> God damn it. This is what I get. I thought I'd be smart. I don't need to go to Wikipedia for this cast list. I got the DVD box right here. I'll read the DVD box. The only cast member listed, Timothy Busfield. Was he in something that we'd actually know? Well, yeah. Yeah. Revenge of the Nerds in 30-something. Oh. He's a, he is a star. Um, <laughs> well, so you just have to say his name and move on. All right, now I gotta find a fucking guitar. Turquoise and silver should never be worn. Wow, oh, fucked it up. <laughs> I think turquoise and silver should be worn separately or banned. So the plan they come up with is well, Tad was an Air Force pirate. Pirate? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would have made something exciting happen in this film. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well. Okay. And now we have cops, so hold on. They're coming to arrest you for daring to even insinuate this movie might be better than Maximum <laughs> Overdrive. That's a crime. Crime against humanity. <laughs> NATO's going to investigate human <laughs> rights violations. Yeah, I am interested to see if you stand by that, Stuart. <laughs> that is the suspense of the show. And that's the way he likes it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I do think the characters are better here. I mean, Hope is a photogenic, reasonably fun... Ki- no, that, let me say that again. She's not. <laughs> yeah. Hope is a... F- okay, Timothy okay. Busfield is the is Jack. Is Jack, okay. Yeah. What, what was I saying? No, um, no, Jack... Jack no, is let the... Me fin- let me fin- Jack's let me fin- the hippie. Or, or not Jack, but... Uh, God damn, these names. Ray. <laughs> yeah. He's Ray, Ray. Okay. He's Ray. He's the main character. I guess the main character. Yes. I think Hope's the main character, but he's the top villain. <laughs> He's the only one with his name on the fucking DVD box. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, 